Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, let's uh, go right back to Wells, Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia to kick things off on our Flames Talk postgame show. 3-2 the final score. Flames fall to the Flyers, and we're joined immediately by Flames forward Andrew Mangiapane. Andrew, really appreciate the time. Uh, just your, your thoughts on a, a hard-fought game once again against this Flyers group. Yeah, um, felt like, uh, you know, we knew there was going to be a you know, close match kind of going into it. Uh, I think... Uh, you know, we did, we did a good job at the start, and I think we just kind of lost our legs a little bit there, second, third. So uh, we got to regroup. We got a game tomorrow, and just kind of put this one behind us. It was uh, it was a spicy one for sure, Andrew. How'd you like the way your group kind of uh, stuck together, stuck up for one another, and fought for one another today? Yeah, I like the way uh, you know, like you said, we we stick up for each other, right? When when there's one guy in the scrum, we all gotta gotta come in and help, right? So um, it was good. It was uh, good. You know, we were sticking up for Marky there a little bit too, and. You know, uh, you know, it shows um, how kind of close we are. So, uh, you know, uh, we kind of need more of that. But, you know, we just got to, you know, play between the whistles as well and just kind of focus on that. I know the result, not what you're looking for, but what more can you say about your uh, goaltender's effort? How good was Jacob today? Yeah, Marky was great, right? He's been unbelievable, you know, these, you know, this whole season really. So uh, we're going to need him. Uh, you know, he's a great goaltender in this league. So, you know, he makes uh, big stops at key times and that's, that's huge for us. So we kind of, I think let him down today, and um, you know, hopefully his next star will be better. And a final thought for you, Andrew. A quick uh, turnaround. You're into Chicago tomorrow. What's going to be key to make sure uh, your group is uh, going and has your legs against the Hawks? Yeah, I think it uh, you know comes down to our first period, our start there, right? Uh, like you said, finding our legs when we play with uh, pace and speed, and you know we're hard on pucks, you know, breaking out together. We're we're a hard team to the uh, you know to play against, right? So uh, we got to bring that. We got to bring that uh, mentality going uh, tomorrow. Andrew, thank you so much for doing this today. Good luck tomorrow in Chicago, hey? Yep, thank you. That is Andrew Mangiapane postgame following a Flames 3-2 loss on the road in Philadelphia. So the win streak comes to an end at 3 as we are underway on our Flames Talk postgame show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you with the phone lines open at 403-240-4444 and the text line open at 969-60. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, joined as well by Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills following a, a really uh, hard fought one and uh, I will uh, give credit I, I use the term spicy and uh, that's uh, that's trademark uh, Megan Mickelson it was perfect uh, that was a perfect description that was a hard fought one uh, there was some juice there was some edge out there today and when it's all said and done uh, kind of you know an, an unbelievable performance from Jacob Markstrom but Flames uh, just it felt like they kind of faded as that game mm-hmm. went along today hey yeah and I like the spiciness. I like the physicality. But as just as long as you, as Andrew Mangiapane said it very well, you still play between the whistles and you focus on that and you make sure that all of those extracurricular activities, that they don't impact your play. But you like to see players sticking up for one another and that physicality. But it was a, a solid start by the Flames, like their first period, it, not a lot going on, but played really well defensively in terms of sticking to their structure, clean exits out of their zone. But just it was after that, the scrum in front of Jacob Markstrom where he threw the blocker 
was where things sort of started to take a turn. And sometimes it's just one incident like that that can kind of knock you off of your game a little bit. And I thought the Flames, they wavered uh, their play in their play a little bit after that incident and that situation. But Jacob Markstrom was absolutely outstanding, made some massive, massive saves. And at the other end, uh, the Flames just didn't, didn't generate enough in their D zone breakout structure, got sloppier and sloppier as the game went on. For me, where it started to unravel was when the Flames took all those penalties in the second period. We're talking about a team that's been pretty disciplined this season, taking just eight minutes and 33 seconds of penalties per game, but they were shorthanded six times. And the Flyers had all those power plays in the second period, and in what was a 0-0 game, through 20 minutes today, they outshot the Flames 24-10 to 10 in the second period. And Flames really never got back to, to playing the way they did uh, two nights ago in Nashville or even in the first period in, in Philadelphia today. So uh, the game kind of got away from them uh, a little bit uh, on the ice, but it never really got away from them on the scoreboard. And ultimately, it's a couple of special teams goals that to decide this hockey game as the Flyers score at even strength on the power play and on the penalty kill to battle back and win this one. But they looked like the more desperate of the two teams, which... I guess you can understand. They had lost four in a row. They had won one of their last seven. Flames playing some of their best hockey of the season. Uh, just uh, kind of got away from playing their game in the back half today. So a, a chance to regroup and, and hopefully bounce back against the Blackhawks. But it was a fun hockey game. That was an old-time sure. type of game. Uh, maybe uh, Chef Louis Domingue made uh, the pregame meals for these two teams, a little <laughs> spicy pork and broccoli today to get these guys going. That was, uh, that was a fun game to watch. In the end, the Flyers split the season series, so a fun one six days ago at the Dome, a one-goal win for the Flames. They uh, flip-flop locales, and this time a fun one-goal win for the Flyers. Uh, the marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Today, Wilsey, we were talking about um, we were talking about the, well, just the opportunity for the Flames to move two games above 500 for the first time all season. Obviously, they don't get there, but it kind of plays into what you just talked about. You know, you've got a Connor Bedardless and multiple other important players. I sent you guys a graphic at some point during the game. It's a comparison of Chicago's mm. opening day lineup and uh, who's not in the lineup anymore. That is a beat-up Hawks team. That that I know it's the second half of back-to-back, but that's uh, all of a sudden, you're back to 500, and we've talked about how you you got to make being at 500 and being over it kind of now a foundation baseline well, it's a big one to wrap it up in a game you have to win against a Hawks team you should be beating tomorrow. Yeah, I said it before the road trip. Uh, I said it when they finally got to above 500 for the first time since game four, since October, with that uh, 6-3 victory over the Predators in Nashville on Thursday. You're above 500. You can't fall below 500 yep. again. If you want to stay in the playoff race, you can't fall below 500 again. Uh, again, it's like trying to run up an escalator the wrong way. You do it, you do it, you do it, and then you get tired of doing it, and you run out of gas, and you stop trying. So uh, for this team, I know getting over that hurdle of uh, being an above 500 team was something that uh, they had been striving to do for quite some time. They finally got there on Thursday. They lose today, but they're 500, and now you've got a chance to go to Chicago and beat the Rockford Icehogs tomorrow. And if you can do that, you come back to Calgary above 500 within striking distance of playoff spot. You won three out of four on the road. You're playing your best hockey of the season. Tomorrow's game is a big one. It's one that on paper the Flames should win. And Megan, they got to find a way to win it on the ice as well. Yeah, and as a team, they've just pushed and pushed yeah. and pushed. No matter 
what has happened and what distractions may have been occurring outside of playing the games all season long. They've done a great job of picking themselves up every game, every day is a new day, and they've done a, an outstanding job of building their game. But as a player and an athlete, it does become exhausting when you're constantly, you're pushing and you're picking yourself back up. It does become very tiresome for for a, an athlete. So for them to stay above 500, I agree with you 110%. They have to, they have no choice. And yep. for me, t tomorrow could be a real turning point in terms of, you know, if they lose that game, that's things could go really bad really quickly. So that's yeah. a, a must win game for them against the Blackhawks tomorrow. And I've seen this before where you're playing against a team that uh, is really injury riddled yeah and you don't recognize half the names on the roster, and you think it's going to be easy, and it's not. Because those guys are, are in some cases, playing in the NHL for the first time in their career. And they're going to have a lot of juice. I guarantee the Blackhawks are going to have a lot of juice. Guys trying to prove that they belong in this league, uh, given the opportunity to play at the highest level in the world. So Flames better not think it's going to be a walk in Millennium Park in Chicago tomorrow. I bet you uh, it's going to be a battle, and as long as they find a way to win the game against the Blackhawks, that's really all that's going to matter. But uh, uh, you take a step back today and, and try to regroup and, and rebound tomorrow to wrap up the road trip. Let's select today's hardest-working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest-working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Well, it was a hard-fought game, Mick, so uh, probably plenty of hard-working flames uh, for you to choose from today. Who are you going with after a 3-2 loss in Philly? Yeah, I'm going to go with Jacob Markstrom just in the amount of grade A scoring chance saves that he had to make high danger saves at key times in the game. And he really gave this team a chance to stay in it. This game wouldn't have even been close without some of the saves that Jacob Markstrom made. And also thought that, you know, he got knocked off his game a little bit, it looked like, for a, I would say a six to seven minute span, but then did a really nice job of just dialing it right back in. And that's been the difference sometimes for him is not dialing it back in but he did settle things down and you can almost see the shift in his body language when he's off versus when he's not and so for me Jacob Markstrom just with the amount of saves that he made and the consistency with which he played with and making sure that he didn't stay off of his game when he got knocked off of it. Jacob Markstrom is your hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at Canyon Plumbing Dot com. Less than uh, 24 hours uh, for the Flames to think about this one. As we're talking right now, it's just after 2 p.m. Calgary time. They'll drop the puck at United Center in Chicago just after 1 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we're going to hear from head coach Ryan Huska very shortly. But right now, get some final thoughts following a 3-2 loss in Philly from our broadcast crew of Megan Mickelson and Derek Will, starting with Mick. Yeah, just... I guess final thought would be that they just weren't the better team tonight. They didn't deserve to win that $1 hockey fine. game tonight today. <laughs> I was I was I'm down I was, a couple of bucks. I was close and I got it just in time. Today, they were not the better team today. Um but you know, a solid performance by Jacob Markstrom. And the positive for me on a back-to-back -back in this situation is they're both matinee games. So as a player, you have 
it's not it's the same amount of time technically on a back-to-back but just in terms of how you're set up for rest recovery sleep is the most important thing in terms of your recovery they're able to get a good night's sleep and then you go back to the rink tomorrow you just make sure that you get a really good warm-up in get your jets going get some coffee and so from a a back-to-back standpoint they're in a good situation to go in and win a must-win game tomorrow yeah it's a weird weekend with it being a back-to-back with a couple of matinee games, but I don't think it's a terrible thing because there wouldn't be a morning skate anyway. Yep. If it was a 5, 6, 7, yeah. 8 p.m. start, you wouldn't be having a morning skate anyway with it being the second half of a back-to-back. It's not that tough a trip going from Philadelphia to Chicago. And you just get up tomorrow, uh, have a, a good breakfast, have some coffee, get to the rink, and get your gear on and go play a hockey game. And you know the good thing at the end of tomorrow's game is that you get home at a pretty good time too so kind of sets you up for uh, an important homestand coming up but it was uh, a hard-fought hockey game I had a lot of fun watching it even though it was 0-0 through 20 minutes uh, that first period was fast and uh, then the two teams uh, started trading tallies in the second period and uh, I guess the most disappointing thing from a Flames perspective is that they they did have two leads in this game, one nothing and 2-1. And the Flyers, a uh, desperate team trying to snap a four-game losing streak, battled back, and uh, they won the special teams battle. And that would be the other disappointing thing from a Flames perspective for me is you're up against uh, one of the worst power plays in the history of the league. Uh, the Flyers went into this game at less than 10% on the power play, and yeah, they needed six opportunities to score one goal, but they score a power play goal, they score a shorthanded goal, and an even strength goal to win this hockey game. So unfortunately for the Flames, their three-game winning streak comes to an end, but uh, they've still got an opportunity to get above 500 again and to within probably two points of a playoff spot uh, if they can beat uh, a beat-up Blackhawks team in Chicago tomorrow. So you can't win them all. Uh, they're off to a pretty good start on this road trip at 2-1-0. If you come home 3-1-0, I think you feel really good about that, and you set yourself up for uh, a big homestand here. Uh, all right, friends. See you tomorrow. Thanks, Pat. Good d- day, Pat. Good, good day. day. Uh, Megan Mickelson <laughs> and Derek Will signing off this afternoon following a Flames 3-2 loss in Philadelphia. Let's hear head coach Ryan Huska. Trust me, it's short and sweet today. Here's the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Coach, it looked like you got off to a decent start, but where, where do you feel like this one got away from The you? first period was okay, but then I thought the second and third we got outworked. They were the better team. Did you bring the appropriate level of intensity, physicality to this one? No, we didn't. Not tonight, but like I said, the first period I thought we got off to a, uh, a good start. Um, and then the second and third period, Jacob was the reason why this game was close. How do you turn this around for tomorrow? Yeah, leave it behind. I mean, we have another game tomorrow. We have to, we want to come home with a, a really solid road record on this trip. So it's an important, it's an important game for us. So we have to turn our attention to Chicago. Right. Can you talk specifically about how well Jacobs played since returning? I mean, I think he had two different mm-hmm. shorthanded breakaway saves today. Like he yeah. just seemed really dialed in. Yeah, and that's you speak of that. That's not. You know, yeah, that's that's for another day, I guess. But Jacobs been uh, um, really good. He's given us a chance. So since he's come back from his injury, he's been our most consistent player for sure. And every night that he's played, he's given us a chance to win. And um, there was no nothing different tonight. 
That is head coach Ryan Huska, short and sweet indeed, following a 3-2 loss in Philadelphia. And it's true, the Flames uh, got off to a decent start, and then it kind of just tailed off from there. And when it's all said and done, uh, they're unable to uh, they're unable to come away with a victory or get a point today. But they've got a, a big game in Chicago on Sunday afternoon. That is a 1 p.m. start. Uh, no Connor Bedard in that game, which is uh, too bad in some ways. But uh, for the Flames, <laughs> he'll definitely be okay not having Bedard in the lineup tomorrow, that is for sure. Okay, it's Pat Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk post-game show as we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts as the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. The text line's open at 960-960. Give us a call right now if you want to chat on this Saturday afternoon. Your texts, your phone calls, and more coming up next. 3-2 the final. Flyers win at home to the Flames. This is your Flames Talk post-game show, and this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk post-game show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, your final score from Philadelphia on a Saturday afternoon. The Flames fall 3-2 at Wells Fargo Center. A shorthanded goal from Travis Konechny early in the third. Breaks a 2-2 tie. That's the difference in a game that the Flyers definitely deserve to win. I thought that the Flames were the better team in this matchup on New Year's Eve at the Scotiabank Saddledome and deserved that one. And I thought that the Flyers were the better team in the return match six days later and deserved this one. Both of them one goal games and the way both these teams play that shouldn't be a surprise but Flyers deserving it got spicy there were uh, lots of borderline hits and lots of after the whistle stuff uh, when it's all said and done though a shorthanded goal from Konechny is the game winner it's too bad because Jacob Markstrom had himself an outstanding afternoon in Philly by the way Flames Talk post game is available on Apple Spotify Google Amazon or wherever you get your podcasts uh, the phone lines are open at 403 240 You want to chime in on an early edition of Flames Talk postgame, you can do so right now. Or you can text 960-960. We'll get to that very shortly. But yeah, Jacob Markstrom, uh, the number one star for the Flames in this game, no doubt about it. He comes away making 39-42 of and was the biggest reason why Calgary was still hanging around this afternoon. It's time for today's Save of the Game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. And today's Save of the Game comes in period number three. A Forrester takes over in the near quarter, but turns it over. Coleman gives it away. Couturier stopped by Markstrom. What a save by Jacob Markstrom, who bails out Blake Coleman. And now some more pushing and shoving and punches being thrown. And uh, that was another outstanding save by Jacob Markstrom. That was his uh, one of his 39 stops on this Saturday, and that's his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kidsport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. And after a first period that was pretty even, and maybe you could have even uh, given the edge to the Flames in that opening 20 minutes of play, it really started to swing as this game went along. Um, when it's all said and done, Flyers uh, won the day on five-on-five possession. Uh, the Flames just a 46.6% 
number on the shot share today. Uh, and then high danger scoring chances, 16-9 in favor of the Flyers, including 11-7 at 5-on-5. Five five. Philly definitely deserved this one today. And uh, Jacob Markstrom, a big reason why it didn't uh, end up going any more than one goal in Philly's favor. So good on Jacob. We'll see if it ends up being Dan Vladar getting the start. My guess after facing 42 and a back-to-back, -back, they would go Vladar on Sunday. We'll see if it's Dan or if they do decide to go to Jacob Markstrom. Uh, but uh, we'll find that out uh, just before warm-up on Sunday afternoon to wrap up this four-game road trip. Let's get to, uh, well, as we continue talking Jacob Markstrom, let's get to him. He spoke post-game inside the Flames locker room following a 3-2 loss on the road. Uh, Jacob, you stopped a lot of shots tonight. You looked pretty sharp. How did you feel about your game? Uh, tough loss. Uh, you know, three goals against. That's uh, a few too many. And uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, I can can keep it a keep it a tie game there in the third. So that's a tough loss for us. There was a lot of traffic in front of you. Did you feel like you were staying the puck? Okay. Yeah. No, I think it was good. I think our guys, obviously, like I said before, they're doing a great job uh, in front of me, and they're blocking shots, and uh, you know, they're making sure I, I can see the puck and clearing out any rebounds. So I think you know, got to keep doing that. That uh, you know what we're doing, and, and just be a little sharper, and you know. Uh, uh, a little and breakouts and you know get the puck deep and forecheck and the ice was a little tilted in the second but you know I, I thought we, we we wanted to push back and you know obviously to get a very untimely goal in that second period I think it was 24 shots that you faced do you like seeing that amount of rubber does that keep you in it uh, if I stop them all I like it if not you know two goals against in the second period that's you know that's too much so but yeah, it's uh, you know every puck I stop is a good shot there you go. That is Jacob Markstrom post-game following his team's 3-2 setback against the Flyers today. Okay, let's get to the text line for the first time at 960-960. As Lonnie in Dover says, tough game overall. Good to see the team stick up for one another. Plus a game at 11 a.m. and flying east was going to be tough regardless for the Flames. With time change and early in the morning, it's never the easiest of games to play. Just have to get the two points tomorrow. In fairness, and I, I get what you're saying, though. It was a time change. They went from Central to East, and then 1 p.m. Eastern was uh, the puck drop today, but 11 a.m. on the body clock for sure. Uh, Jeff says, exciting game today. Flames looked disorganized at times and gave up some grade-A chances to the Flyers, which they capitalized on, but I'm still liking the effort of Calgary these days. They're not quitting on games and continue to play for each other. Markey was unreal again. Uh, Huberto starting to look engaged, and the team as a whole has a lot of th positive things going for them that comes from Jeff and I agree like I, I I did think look I did not think the Flames played remarkably well in this game I thought they were actually uh, in the final 40 minutes of play they were actually fairly underwhelming and and you could definitely pick that up from Ryan Huska in his post game um, I, I, I thought the Flames were just kind of meh at best in the final 35 minutes or so and the Flyers really started to take this one over and, and Calgary really started to fade but the thing that I, I appreciate about them is their abil ability to not let games completely get away from them and uh, Jacob is a big reason for that um, and then the other thing is that I, I never really get the um, I never really get the, the feeling that they're going to wave the white flag in a hockey game they, they don't they don't um, they don't quit the compete level and the work ethic the work rate 
always remains high with this group. So that helps you even on days, nights when you've got your B or your C game or whatever the case may be. That keeps you in games, and so does a goaltender. So I, I'm with you on that front, Jeff. I, I, I did like their fight. I like the way they stuck up for one another, but I also didn't like their overall execution. It'll Even against Chicago, they're going to have to be a whole lot better on Sunday. This from Brad and Bridgeland. Thought the Flames started the game great. They were playing fast, making plays, and matching the Flyers' physicality. But in the second, their pace slowed, and that allowed the Flyers to play their game. If it weren't for Markstrom, they might not have even been in the game at all. People will point at the officiating, and while some calls were iffy at best, particularly that interference call on Zeri, it doesn't help. They only mustered six shots in the third. Tomorrow will be a good opportunity to bounce back against an injury-ridden Hawks team. Uh... This from Magarsa, who says power play cost them the game. Not only were they ineffective, but giving up a shorty's inexcusable. They clearly didn't execute the game plan from the coaches. They knew this team's dangerous on the PK and still gave one up. It's been the same song with this team for years. Poor power play won't win many games, especially in the playoffs. On the positive side, hats off to Markstrom. He's playing unreal right now, and he could very easily be showcasing himself for a contending team looking for a goalie. Hashtag bring on the change. Um, this from Joel and Cranston. Pat, less than a year after the Canucks gave Kuzmenko a nice contract, he's a healthy scratch and can't make their lineup. On the other hand, the Flames continue to play players who have performed substandard for most of the year. Lots of passengers in Philly today. Um, this reads from Rick in Lakeview. Uh, wow, the worst officiated game I've watched all season. A how-to of how to wrongly impact a game as officials. Luckily, the Flames are lacking in the deterrent department or this game would have been really ugly. The Flames fade all about the demoralizing second period calls. Uh, let's get them tomorrow. That comes from Rick in Lakeview. Of the second period calls, I mean the only one I, I really didn't like was maybe the Uyghur penalty. Um... As as it was kind, it was a hook ish into the midsection. I don't know. I believe that was on uh, Atkinson on the breakaway. I don't know if it really impeded Atkinson on his breakaway opportunity. So I thought that was the only one I was kind of met on. Now that's the one the Flyers scored on to tie it. But uh, I digress. But I mean. The Lindholm one was probably a penalty. It was definitely not a five, and I thought the officials got that right when they reviewed it. Uh, they called it a five on the ice, reviewed it, and, and uh, were able to um, bring it down and downgrade it to a two. So I thought that was the right call. The Greer boarding call was clearly a penalty, so I don't know. Um, and I know a lot of people didn't like the Zeri one. I mean... By the book, Zeri interfered with a guy off puck. He knocked a guy down in front of the net. That that's an off puck interference call. Now, do they do we see that lots and it doesn't get called? Yeah, you can maybe argue that, but the actual play itself was interference, and it just so happened the ref called it, and a few seconds later they scored a game tying goal. Like that's the that's the reason it got waved off, not because the interference um, was uh, was directly leading to the goal against. It was just bad timing when it was all said and done. Uh, this says, well, Pat, that was a frustrating game to watch. What are your thoughts on Vladar getting moved soon with the Wranglers calling up another goalie? I believe that Wranglers recall of Connor Murphy is um, related to Oscar Dansk um, and and something going on there. So I, it's not related to them moving Dan Vladar anytime soon. Um, 
And this from Stafford and Bonest. This game was decided by two things, Pat. One, a horrendous second period where they were outshot and outchanced by a 2-1 to one margin. And two, their horrendous power play that continues to struggle. Time to find another power play coach because the one they're using isn't working. A solid 40 minutes this morning, but this game is 60 minutes long, and they don't have the uh, power clinch forwards to make up for the brain fart of a second period. Honestly, I didn't even Stafford like them that much in the third period. I thought that they uh, were kind of the, the second best team on the ice in period number three as well. They gave up the shorty. I, I didn't really love what I said. They only got six shots despite being down by one for most of the third period. So didn't love their third either. Liked their first, hated their second, and then didn't love their third either. Great stuff so far on the text line at 969.60. Keep them coming. And the phone lines are open. Got a couple of open lines if you want to jump in on a Saturday afternoon. 403-240-4444. Flames fall by a 3-2 score on the road in Philadelphia. Flames win one. Flyers win one, both in regulation in this year's season series. It's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame show. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, kicking us off on the phone lines today is Trevor. What's going on, Trevor? Hey, Pat. Uh, how you doing on a weekend like this? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, you know, I haven't been on uh, the show for very long. You know, just been busy. Uh, but first things first, uh, you know, the road trip's been pretty good. like the work ethic from the team. Uh, but, again, they rely too much on their goalies some of the time, way too much. I mean, Marks from alone, this could have been six nothing from the shots that they had. Yeah, up. he was he was very good, and and the Flyers definitely had the bulk of the quality chances in this game, and and he was the biggest reason why it stayed. You know why the Flames were leading by one, why it was tied, or why it was only a, a one goal Flyers lead, and and there's, there's no doubt that was a, a Jacob Markstrom thing. He was Calgary's best player today. Yeah, I mean, this road trip hasn't been too bad for them. I like their their work ethic, but uh, a lot of their games that I've seen, sometimes throughout the game, they just seem to lose, I don't want to say interest, but they seem to shut their brains off and not really think about the game too much. Because I know you're not going to win every game and have your legs every game, but these guys have played enough hockey to know what is to make it work to win games, right? So it's a bit odd to see it so often from them. Well, I mean, I thought. I mean, I, I I did not see any of that Thursday in Nashville. I thought that was a, no, a yeah. pretty that was a pretty complete effort um, that that went start to finish. I know that Minnesota, you know, made Markstrom be the big story for the first ten minutes of the third period, but you know that's going to happen. That's pretty yep. two evenly matched teams. So I don't know. I, I didn't feel like that was a, oh my gosh, the Flames are playing horribly here. It's just Minnesota came with a push, and sometimes in a sixty minute game, momentum swings and you got to weather storms. Um, um, so I don't know. I, I I I didn't feel that way against Seattle. Didn't really feel that way against Philly. So and that that's just recently though. Definitely today though, they they relied too much on Jacob. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I just like to see other ways where they can win without relying on their goalie as much. Uh, if they want to be a team in the playoffs, I I would temper the playoff talks until we see consistent efforts on a different way to win. You know, you can't score outscore your opponent every time. Your goalies have to steal you a game. You know, that, that has to happen sometimes. But, uh, yeah, just, I like to temper the playoff expectations and, you know, just grow with the young guys we brought up. They're playing amazing. Their work ethic is there. But, uh, you know, just maybe temper the playoff expectations 
if there is any. Well, I mean, I think the expectation is to make the playoffs and should be for for most teams. I mean, the Flames are right there in a playoff fight. They're only two back of a spot, so they should be doing everything they can inside that room to trying to, to get there. And, and whether they trade away some UFAs or don't, and, and we believe they will, I don't think that changes the fact that the standard is still they want to win games and they want to stay in the fight. So um, I, I, I definitely think internally the expectations are playoffs. Whether, whether your expectations are other, you know, outside expectations are tempered. That's a different story, but definitely internally Calgary expects to make the playoffs. Whether or not they, yeah, sure. they execute yeah. or follow through on that remains to be seen. Um, and I'm just curious, maybe it's time for um, a little bit of change on the fourth line because I think Dubé, I think he just needs a, a chain of scenery because he just seems to be the odd man out because, you know, Pelche is coming back with, I think, a month next month. You got to make a move somewhere because you know Pelche is going to make the roster and other players, right? So I'm just curious to see what moves can be made, and yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean on on the Pelche uh, on the Pelche front, what will help the Flames is that they they will almost certainly send him to the Wranglers on a conditioning assignment, so he'll get some games in and and maybe do the full two weeks on the conditioning assignment once he's ready to play. So that'll buy him an extra two weeks of time. Maybe they can get it to close to the trade deadline or closer to the trade deadline um, and, and buy themselves some time there. And But, yeah, I mean, if it was right now, you're, you're probably talking Rizicka or Dubé who would be coming out for the Flames if Pelche was ready to come back today. Now, there's a lot that can change between today and when that actually happens. But, yeah, Dubé and... Dubé and Rizicka would be the two on the bubble. They've been, uh, they've had a lot of trouble um, producing, and their overall impact on games is, has kind of been negligible far too often. I think Ruzichka being a natural center keeps him in it a little, keeps him in the lineup or, or gives him a leg up to stay in the lineup a little bit more, but Dylan can also play center. Um, so yeah, I, I guess we wait and see who's healthy. We wait and see who's still here when Pelche's back in. True, true. Uh, one last question, uh, one last thing. Uh, again, loved your show. Um, for any of the callers or any fans that are blaming Markstrom, because I know that's a top thing that they do, they should not be blaming Markstrom at any point during this road trip or even today. You know, he's trying his darndest. I mean, goalie is the toughest position in the NHL. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to see any blaming of Markstrom. It's the team effort today. But, uh, yeah, uh, you continue on with a great show, and, uh, yeah, I'll just keep listening. All right, Trev, you have yourself a great day, hey? Yeah, good to talk to you again. You too. Welcome back. Thank you, man. Yeah, no worries. Have a good one. You too. As the Flames fall 3-2 on the road in Philly, our Flames Talk postgame phone lines are open at 403-240-4444, or the text line's open at 960-960. Give us a call on this Saturday afternoon. We'd love to hear from you, and we continue along. And, and by the way, just one more note on Trevor's call. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not pointing any fingers at Markstrom today. Uh, I know that there was a goal that got put in from behind the net, but, you know, that's a smart player in Sean Couturier, one of the highest IQs in the NHL, and he saw Markstrom leaning because Markstrom played that well. It's just and, – and was moving the way that 
you would move. It's just that it took a weird bounce off the end boards, and when that happens, it's tough to get yourself set, and Couturier saw it. So I don't I don't put that one on Jacob. That was the smart play by Couturier. So I, I thought Markstrom was Calgary's best player, bar none, in this game this afternoon. So I'm with you on that one. And and to you know our, our listeners' credit anyway, I haven't seen or heard anything. I haven't seen anything on the text line or, or heard anything so far that would be uh, putting any of the finger-pointing on Jacob. Let's say hello to Thomas. What's going on, Thomas? Not much, Pat. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing okay. That's that's good to hear. Uh, I just wanted to – I missed the beginning of your show, and I just was uh, wondering if you guys thought maybe the schedule's catching up to the Flames a little bit today. just seemed kind of like a step behind for uh, big chunks of the game. Could be. I mean, the, the, this has been a they, – they have they have not had a lot of – I mean, I guess they, they just came off a, a break where they had the, the three games – three days without a game, played a game, three days without a game, then played New Year's Eve. But then again, New Year's Eve uh, – since, since New Year's Eve, it's been a mile a minute what this will be. Uh, when they play against Chicago tomorrow, that will be five games in – nine days so yeah it's 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 been a it's been a grind and um and and the flames overall schedule has been a grind this year so could be i mean they definitely did seem to fade as this game went along whether that's a schedule thing or not i don't know but they they definitely did look fatigued as this game went along i won't use it as an excuse because every team's got to deal with it to some extent but it, it did kind of feel like maybe there was something like that going on yeah, which is super strange because on Thursday in Nashville, they might have looked their freshest and the fastest they have all year. But then all of a sudden today, again, they're just a half step behind. I wanted to uh, quickly talk about Chris Tanna today. Yeah. Um, so I guess I should maybe preface this by saying that I'm fully aboard team rebuild. Okay. But the more I've thought about it recently, I think there might be more value in keeping Tanev versus trading him just because he's so he elevates his D partner so much so consistently ever since he got here. And I know you would not be alone on that one, uh, Thomas. And 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 I, I don't even so I, I kinda look at it like so on the Noah Hannafin front, right? I think that you're in your closest win-win situation trade or sign if they were to extend Noah Hannafin to the likely deal they would extend him to I I don't think you're losing like I I don't think you're regretting signing the contract and I definitely don't think you're gonna be unhappy with the return that he would uh, bring if he ends up getting traded then I would go Tanev next on the win-win front. The the main reason that it, it it's a little bit different or, or maybe not at the same extent is because Tanev is, you know, significantly older, has more miles on that body, and we know how hard those miles are for Chris. Um, and so if it's the difference between a – like if, if it's going to take a four-year deal to keep him here, I know some are of the opinion to bite the bullet and do it. I'm of the opinion that I think a four-year extension for Tanev as opposed to the really good return you could get for trading him, I, I at this point lean towards trading. And then next would be Lindholm. And, and I think trading is, is pretty clear in my eyes that, that moving him is the way to go. So I don't think that you're wrong, man. Like even though I think trading Tanev as of right now on January 6th is the way to go, 
And if you were to say what's better for the Flames, in your opinion, I say moving him for the type of haul that I think you can get for Tanev. Like, I think you'll be able to get a pretty good return because I think there will be numerous teams looking at him as a potential missing piece for a deep playoff run. I, I go with, with trading him, but the reasons why keeping him would be of benefit and valuable to the Flames are, are very palatable, and I don't disagree on what those could be, my friends. So I, I wouldn't I, – I guess what I'd say is I believe that trading him is the way to go, but if they did decide to re-sign, I, I, I don't think I'm going to be sit here, sitting here saying that I, I hate that decision, you know? Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. But So if a lot of teams hold Tanev in high regard, including the Flames – that should give the Flames at least some leverage in any trade negotiations with other teams regarding Tanev. Would it be completely ridiculous to ask for, like, I don't know, like a first-round pick plus maybe a prospect on top of that? Or is that is that going to be too rich for any team's blood out there? I mean, I would lean I, – I don't know for sure, honestly. I would lean towards that might be a little too rich, but – you know, I, I don't think it is completely bonkers to think that you could get a first-round pick. Um, I'm not suggesting that that is, you know, a, a sure thing, nor am I suggesting that that is you can't trade them unless you get a first-round pick. But, I mean, if you've got Toronto and Dallas and Los Angeles and uh, Vegas and a few other teams looking at Tanev and his cap hit and what he can bring to a team as like, hey, that will solidify us on the back and bringing in, you know, one of the league's preeminent shutdown defensemen, you know, makes us that much stronger to win a Stanley Cup. I, I think if you get a couple of teams who are in the mix, I, I don't think it's completely out of the question to think you could pry a first out of a team. Okay, yeah, I think that yeah that makes a lot of sense to me as well. The only issue I have with getting, like, if the, if it's just Tanev for a first, for example, whatever team Tanev ends up at, is you would think is going to probably go in a deep playoff run. Now anything can, of course, happen in the playoffs, yeah. but... I always just like the idea of maybe getting some other asset that isn't dependent on that team's success because they're getting that's going to be a really good team and a really good team getting a really good defenseman. You would think they'd be set up pretty well for success. Fair. I mean, it's not going to be a high first round pick, but I still think first round picks are are valuable. For sure. I also think the other thing with Tanev that like the recently has maybe changed my mind on maybe it would be a good idea to keep him is mm-hmm. the news we got about Oliver Shillington and Oliver had his best year as a flame playing with Tanev, which I feel like gives the, like gives the flames more value with having Tanev here. If Oliver can come back in time. And I know that's going it might be a long process and we don't have the details of that, but if Oliver does come back to the flames at some point, I feel like it would be a good idea to put him with Tanev out of a comfort thing, especially since it's been so long that Oliver has been out of the lineup. Yeah. No, and and that is also fair, um, and yeah, I uh, I'm curious to see where this thing goes. Me too. Well, thanks for taking my uh, call today, Pat. No problem. Good to hear from you, Thomas. You be well, hey. You too. Thanks, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Following a Flames 3-2 loss in Philadelphia with Bruce up next on our Flames Talk post game show. What's up, Bruce? How you doing this afternoon? I'm well. How are you? Oh, not too bad, thank you. I'm I'm curious about your opinion about uh, your honest opinion about Uyghur. 
Okay. As a defender, um, both offensively and defensively. There seems to be an awful lot of um, rosy comments about this guy. And even from himself in a recent interview, he's quoted as saying uh, he wouldn't have changed anything in his first part of the season this year with the, with the, the, the Flames. I kind of see a different thing. I looked like even today we're talking four or five blatant giveaways. I mean, we're not talking bad passes. We're just talking about blatant giveaways, including one from behind our going goal line to the, the high slot. The only person there was one of the opposing players. Mm-hmm. So he's constantly making mistakes like that. He's, he's weak, I think, in position and gives up too many options. But I, I just might be on the anti-Uyghur bandwagon. And I'm not sure. What's your thought about him? I, I, I mean, I, I definitely saw what you saw today. I, I thought that he struggled today for sure. Um, but overall, I, I, I actually think he's had a pretty strong season. Now, you know, what I do think is is one thing that you're seeing, and, and fair, I think it's a fair observation, um, is that McKenzie is a guy that isn't always um, – like, I, I don't know if – positioning has always been his strength the greatest strength it's <laughs> I, so, I see a lot of so politically you know, correct pat just just hold <laughs> trying but you, you know who he reminds me a lot of he reminds uh-huh. me a lot of the former captain there are a ton of similarities in the way that Uyghur and mark giordano play the game because i found geo even though he's a norris trophy winner and rightfully so i found yeah. geo very often would overcommit on things but because yeah. he is so like there's so much compete there that yeah. he gets himself you're talking back different in. animals there i mean you're you're getting into my my second part of my comment which was uh, the there's been a few comments recently about the the work ethic of some of these players and and um, I, I've heard a lot of good things, um, and I, and I, I got to give them credit for having turned the season around a little bit after their start. Um, and they do generally compete pretty much every night. However, there are a few guys that just seem to not. I mean, you, you're when you're comparing Giordano to to somebody else, you're you're talking about a guy who's got as big a heart as I've ever seen in a hockey player. He just he just gave everything he had, and he was not a superly talented guy. He certainly wasn't a graceful skater by any means. But man, he did a lot with what he had, and he did it because of heart. Um, I, That's kind of what I of... see with Uyghur, To be perfectly honest, they got very similar roads to the NHL, all that yeah. type of stuff. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So and and, and no, I don't I don't begrudge Uyghur too much on his efforts, but there are a couple of other guys on the team that, that, you know, they, when they're chasing a puck down, they just seem to, you know, give up the fact that somebody else is going to get there ahead of them, right? They don't work as hard. And, and uh, there was one instance just the other night. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was, but there was a chase for a puck on an, a potential icing. And he kind of was going through the motions for the last three or four strides inside the uh, uh, end zone as the puck was about to cross the end line. And the linesman called, uh, rightfully so, I think, called uh, icing. And he complained about it, thinking that he was close enough. But, again, the effort has got to be there. you got to be trying to work your, your butt off to get to the puck and not just kind of floating down the end of the ice and finishing your last couple strides and hoping the linesman calls it for you. I see a lot of that with with a certain number of players consistently. 
just not the kind of effort I'd like to see from a professional. And and I I don't know like I don't remember that play off the top of my head, so I'm not exactly yeah. sure who you're referring to on that one. I, I guess I would say Pawnee comes to mind, but it could have been uh, Dubé as well. One of those two guys. I okay. Think. Um, yeah, and I mean honestly. I, I, I really feel like Manjapani's work rate has gone way up here over the last little bit. That's that's my Agreed. personal opinion. Agreed. Yep. Um and I I think, you know, Dubay's in a situation right now where I don't ever fault the actual work, but mm-hmm. I, I right now there's just not a whole lot being done with it. Like there's a little, yeah. I hate to take a shot at this guy, but there's a little Matthew Lombardi going on where like there is a ton right. of, there's a ton of work. The skating is good, but yeah. for whatever reason, Dylan is just not accomplishing a lot while he's out there right now. It's, it's a little, it's a little baffling to see. Um, there are a few players like that who just have oodles of potential and talent, but they just, can't seem to put it together completely for a professional game. Yeah, and I think and I think Rizicka for the minors. Rizicka comes to mind on on Bingo. that front as well. <laughs> yeah, very much. I gotta give a shout out too because I was uh, a very anti Huberdo at the beginning of the season, uh, but I gotta tell you the last I'd say dozen half dozen half dozen to a dozen games that he's been playing, he's played consistently better and done some of the things that we were, we've been talking about together here just now about putting in the extra effort and doing stuff mm-hmm. today, particularly, you know, right at the end there, he's getting involved in, in all the ruckus there. And I, I like to see that. Uh, and I hear a lot of good things about him as a teammate. So I'm kind of pulling for him. It's nice to see him putting those efforts in though. Yeah. And, and I mean, when, when you see a Huberdo who's physical, like he was, there was a few times where I would say that, um, you know, from a flyer standpoint, I'm not saying rightfully or wrongfully, but I'm just trying to, yeah. you know, handicap from a flyer standpoint, I would suggest that AJ Greer and, um, and McKay, AJ Greer, maybe one, and then Huberdo and Lindholm tied for two were kind of the, the tops on the public enemy list there for the flyers. Yeah. And I think the flames, there's no doubt that Hathaway was number one on their list today, um, as, yeah. as both teams did a very good job of getting under one another's sting, uh, skin rather in today's yeah. game. But, yeah, I, I thought that Huberto looked very engaged in this one, was very dangerous, scored a heck of a mm-hmm. goal. Uh, so, yeah. Pretty, yeah, pretty. Yep. Well, thanks, Pat. I appreciate all uh, the t- time you put on, uh, on the show. So, take care. Hey, good stuff, Bruce. You have yourself a great night or a great day, hey? Yep. Take care. Thank you, man. And uh, one more call before we jump back inside the Flames locker room. However, the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. If you'd like to chat here on this Saturday afternoon edition of your Flames warm-up pregame show, you can do so at 403-240-4444. We're uh, finish on the phone lines today, so... You will uh, not be getting a busy signal if you give us a call. So if you want to chat some Flames hockey on an early uh, opportunity to do so on Flames Talk post game, give us a call right now. Let's say hello to Travis. What's going on, Trav? Hey, buddy. What's up? How's it going, buddy? It's good, How man. How are you? How it's going? Because I know it's usually going pretty well, but uh, and everyone asks me that, so I actually don't usually ask that question. <laughs> but uh, I hope your day is going well. It's good. Um, it's, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. <laughs> um, Huberto, you know, um, yeah, I think he's put a lot of great effort in, even in, in the last game. I didn't get to watch all of today's game, but, uh, you know, even the last game in the third period, you see him diving to stop a pass, and 
you know, I think overall in the season, he, he's obviously the offensive numbers aren't where we want to be, but, but you do see him trying in other avenues a little bit earlier in the season. He's laying some big hits. Some of these other games, he is making some, some good defensive plays in the, in the D zone. So, you know, I think overall he, he's tried for the most part. Yeah. As he had some bad games in a couple of bad stretches, sure. But, um, I think his attitude's been good, and I think overall, like I think he's a team player. So um, he'll never live up to the contract, obviously. But but you know, as a solid cap rises too, I think the contract maybe won't look as bad either. Um, a ten million dollar player today is not what a ten million dollar player is going to be in five years. It's um, as the cap rises. I kind of heard maybe as you guys chatting or Wills or someone. Um, like f- five million bucks, like that's kind of what you think Hannafin maybe is, but seven million dollar contract is more like a five million dollar contract in the past. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. There's 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 a little bit to that. I mean, I, I do think that we're talking about a, a contract that is is going to be tough to live up to. Period. But um, I, I, when it comes to Huberto, if we're talking about baby steps but progression. I think you'll take it right now if you're the Flames because it was quite worrying um, in the earlier stages of the season. It's a little better, and I, I would even go as far to say it's a lot better here over the last little bit. He has been playing some much better hockey. Yeah, it was nice to just see how happy he was when he scored on the breakaway there. And, you know, it was a pretty nice move he made with yeah, back pressure absolutely. coming on him too. So, you know, that's the glimpses and that's the Huberto we're hoping to see more often. And, you know, but, but yeah, I just, I hope nothing for the best for him. Cause I think since he's came here, he's been a consummate pro. I'd, you've never heard him complain. You've never heard him shy away from the cameras. And obviously we don't know what goes on in the locker room, but I know his teammates, I think talk pretty good about him too. So I think, you know, as a person and as a, as a hockey player, I think you just want the best for him. Yeah. Um, um, the Flames, you know, I know we I keep hearing, you know, if if anything, maybe we should maybe sign this guy or keep this guy. I, I think it would be a colossal failure to keep any three of them at this point. Um, I think that's kind of what we've always done. And I, I know you still need to build a hockey team and you can't just have no players on the team. And I, I'm aware of that. But I think the opportunity we have right now to reset the franchise is, it's pretty substantial. Um, when the, like I think you've said, maybe talking to Francis, in the year time as a uh, following this team, one of them had an opportunity to move three guys like out, like this out and, and get a pretty nice, decent return. I'd imagine when you look at the whole package, you could get back for the three to really reset the franchise with pro- picks, prospects, and possibly underachieving younger roster players as well, you know? And maybe so not I, even I think, maybe not even underachieving roster, you know, yeah, younger, no. maybe just younger roster players that you know to, you you get because teams really want the players that that they're chasing here. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent. So I don't think I don't think we should mess this one up this time. Um, I think if we fail to move players out like this when we have the opportunity, I think that's kind of that'd be more like status quo of what we've done as a franchise for a long time. And I'm just under the belief that I think we have some good young pieces already in the pipeline. And I think the more you add to that, I think the better chance you have of this team succeeding long-term. You start signing players that are a little bit older or keeping them. um, I think it just goes along the path that the Flames always do. So I don't, 
I think this get younger, younger, more opportunity to get better, more pe- more time for people to grow into roles, and I think that's very important for this team. Um, so that's where I that's so, where I am too, Trav. That's that's kind of where I. As of January 6th, that's where I fall in on on the same conversation. I think there's time uh, for that to, to, you know, at least in my eyes, I think there's still there's still time for the opinion to change. But we are kind of getting up on, you know, two two months-ish from the trade deadline. I, I'm of the opinion you are as well, that this is too good of an opportunity to pass up, to reset the franchise without having to really go into a, a complete, full-on, blow-it-up rebuild. And so um, I, 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 I'm of the same opinion of you, but I do understand others who would say, yeah, but, you know, Hannafin is 27 years old or soon to be 27 year old, 27 years old. Is he not the type of player that they'd then be looking for in a trade and what you're trying to, I, I grant you that. And, and I can, um, very much understand that line of thinking. It's why I kind of say, you know, if, if you were to re-sign Hannafin, I, I, I don't think you're ever going to like hate the contract or hate the decision to keep him because of his age. He turns 27 later this month. And, uh, you know, you sign him to a seven or eight with his skating and his durability. You know, you're probably getting seven more, seven, eight more years of really good hockey out of him. So I, I, I think you can understand that one, especially that one a little bit more if that's the way they decide to go. But if it were me, Trav, I'd still be looking at moving him. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Just the opportunity we have, I just, I just want to see it really succeed. And I just, I, I, yeah, I just want this team to win a cup at some point. And, and as most Flames fans know, that's, there's been a lot of seasons where there's been a lot of hype for us to win a cup and it's just never transpired, you know, from the day of when we had Fanu, Fanu signed Bo Meester to, you know, even, even last year when we brought in Huberto, you know, that people were picking us as Stanley Cup favorites. So there's just been a lot of different times like that. And we've just never lived up to it. And and one day I just, that's all I want to see. I, I hate the Oilers having the players they do and they win because I live in the city and I have a lot of Oilers fans in my life. But so I would not love nothing more but the Flames to win a cup before the Oilers. And I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but I sure hope so. <laughs> um and then, yeah, and then, um, yeah, I don't know, Patty. Um, what do you think the Flames um, – when's Felcher going to come back? Sorry, I'm a little rambly. Uh, I, I think we're in the pocket of sometime in the next month or so that that conversation will really start to hit. Um, you know, I think, I think you can tag on – once he returns to practice, you probably are going to have a week or two of him practicing with the team at the NHL level. Then you're going to have a week or two of him in the American League to get his uh, legs back up. And so I, I, you're probably looking at, you know, three to four weeks once he practices for the first time. Uh, and we haven't seen that yet. So I, I think you're kind of in the pocket of uh, a month-ish of when that might really start to become a um, – a conversation. I think that, you know, his ability to return to, to full practice is getting closer um, and, and is maybe a little closer to around the corner. But uh, I, I still think you're talking about three weeks, month-ish, if not more, for when we might actually see him back in a Flames lineup. And then Coronado, do you see this more of um, a development year where he's going to spend probably most of it in the minors at this point? And, and it's not a knock on him. It's obviously he came from – college hockey didn't really play at pro hockey so you know 
Well, a lot of GMs are in the belief that the more you can let them marinate in the minors is sometimes beneficial for the progression in, into the NHL. I believe they would is like kinda... to. I, I believe they would like to get him um, into. I, I think they'd like to get him back into the NHL lineup at some point this year, um, and you know when that is still remains to be seen. But I do think that there there's a feel that you know what he's doing in the American League is is I I, I know for a fact it's it's been noticed by uh, by management and that they're liking what they're seeing from him. So I, I think that the goal is to get him back into NHL action. But with the lineup being set at forward the way it is uh, right now, there's not a spot. And you know if if the coaching staff feels like this is the the best lineup in the forward group that they'd like to have on a regular basis then having him play or, or not play at the NHL level is less beneficial to him playing at the American League level so I do think to answer your first question I do think that this is going to be a development year for him but I still think there are more NHL games for him between now and the end of the year one last one I'll let you go yeah um it, really nice to see Shellington now uh, you know in in the minors there skate with that team and um I hope nothing but to see him in the NHL and be a big part of this team in the future. Um, it's obviously a pretty positive direction um, seeing him progress through the year because I'll be honest, at the beginning of the year when he left again, I kind of thought that was it for him with our franchise. So to see him make it this far and, and hopefully maybe the next steps are going to be back to the NHL at some point in the next couple of months here. Um, I think as a fan, that couldn't be more happier for the guy. And I do think he brings a, another great element to the team, just his speed. I think overall, and there's been a lot of hype with Shelley over the years because he's such a great skater and mm-hmm. the NHL is about skating. So I think um, for us as a franchise, if we could get him to be a regular on our, our decor in the future would be would be very good for our team. And um, I know a lot of fans at times say they would really like to know what happened in in his life. But I think, you know, we're all human and, and a lot of things happen. And I think what you can take from the situation is whatever he's dealing with is obviously pretty hard to deal with and pretty deep for him. So I, I don't think that's any of our business. I think for a guy to miss a game he loves and to miss that amount of time, I think you just understand that, what he was dealing with is is way beyond hockey and uh, way more important for someone's mental health and life than than the sport they love. So I I think that's really none of our business and and I think um, he's human like everyone else and and I think we've got to understand that at times. It is just a sport. So thanks, buddy. You're uh, not getting any disagreement from me on that front. If you uh, listen to Thursday's Flamestock, um, yeah, I, I am fully on board with that. Thanks, Trav. Uh, you have yourself a great day, man. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. If uh, you want to jump in on the phone lines, you won't get a busy signal if you call now. So 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Text line 960-960. Final score from Philadelphia. Flames fall 3-2 to the Flyers. It's time to Select today's player with heart brought to you by HeartFit Clinic and went back and forth on this one, but uh, eventually I'm going to go with Andrew Mangiapane as today's player with heart as uh, he extended his point streak to four games today. He had an assist in the loss, played 14 minutes and 27 seconds, had four shot attempts, 
three scoring chances, two high danger chances, and two shots on net. I thought Mangiapane was, uh, and also was physical, thought the work rate was high from him again. Ever since going back on that line with Backlund and Coleman, he's been the Andrew Mangiapane that the Flames need and that Flames fans have gotten to know and love over the last number of years. I've really liked Andrew's game of late and uh, going to go Andrew Mangiapane as today's player with heart. It's brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office. Visit HeartFit.ca. Let's go back inside the locker room for the final time today. Let's hear from Mackenzie Weger, one of your goal scorers in a 3-2 loss against the Flyers. Here's Mackenzie post game from Philly. Where do you feel this one got away from you guys? Uh, maybe the, the penalties that we took. Uh, lots of penalties. Uh, I thought we played you know, a pretty good game. It's, it was going to be tough coming into the, this building. You know, we were going to get their best, but you know, I thought there were some good things, but maybe in the second period they started to you know, push the pace and then right at, right at the beginning of the third period when they scored that goal. But we hung in there and uh, we stuck as a team that whole game. Do you think it was the right amount of intensity and physicality that you guys brought? Yeah, I, you know, I think the battle level was there. Maybe, you know, physicality-wise, maybe a few more hits on the D to create some more chances or, um, you know, some little things like that. But, yeah, I thought the compete level, the battle level was there. Uh, Marky was battling there for us that whole game. And, um, yeah, we hung in there to the end, and we got to move on from this one and, and focus on Chicago now. You scored your career-leading ninth goal of the season. Was it a goal for you to be more offensive this year, or why do you think it's been going that way for you? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't really know why. I think the, maybe the puck luck or getting my shots through. Um, obviously, playing with Rast, you're going to get some more offensive time. But um, you know, it's great to get your career high. But it would have been better to get the two points for sure. Mackenzie, another incredible game from Jacob since he's come back. He's just been outstanding for you. Yeah. Maybe your thoughts on how he played tonight? Oh, uh, he's been a brick wall for us. He's you know he's a leader for us. Uh, he's always so positive. Um, you know we, that game, I think could have got a little out of hand if he wasn't there for us tonight. He's he's. The whole time that he's come back, he's been outstanding for us, and um, he was definitely our best player tonight. That is Mackenzie Weger post game on the road in uh, in Philadelphia, following a three two loss to the Flyers. Uh, okay, let's look ahead. Don't have to look ahead too far either. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. And yes, tomorrow Sunday afternoon, the Flames are on the road in Chicago. For a noon start, they'll uh, take on the uh, black. Sorry, noon start for your uh, warm up and one o'clock puck drop from United Center. So, 1 p.m. puck drop, noon Calgary Flames warm up right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, this is the first of three games against Chicago this season, and we know that uh, Connor Bedard will not be playing on Thursday night uh, on the road in New Jersey. Connor Bedard sustained a uh, broken jaw and is now on injured reserve. We don't have a timeline for Bedard, but we know he ain't playing in this game against the Flames. So no Bedard on Sunday for the Hawks, which is a big loss for uh, for them. First of three games between the Flames and Hawks this year. Last year, the Flames lost all three of their games to the team that ended up getting the number one overall pick. They were uh, 0-2-1 against Chicago last year, including that ugly 4-3 loss on April 4th that essentially ended the year for the Flames. Uh, so that's next up. 
1 o'clock Sunday afternoon for the Flames and the Hawks. Flames return home for one game, a one-game homestand. They'll host the Ottawa Senators at 7 o'clock on Tuesday, then right back on the road. They're into Arizona on Thursday to start off a trip at 7 o'clock on Thursday. There you go. That's looking ahead. Brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Dot com. Okay, let's get back to the text line at 960-960. Uh, Jared in Okotoke says, Pat Elliott Friedman floated the idea of New Jersey being interested in Markstrom. Other than New Jersey, who do you think would be in for Markstrom or Vladar? Do you think it'll happen before the deadline? Um, okay, so on the front of New Jersey, yeah, we've been talking about Markstrom as a potential fit for New Jersey for, I want to say, uh, a month, month and a half now. I, I Again, it all is up to Jacob because Jacob has a no-move clause. If Jacob doesn't want to go, then he ain't going. Now, a lot of times when you ask a player to waive a no-move, if uh, they, they feel like, well, they don't want me here, then usually the no-move does get waived. But there have been times when a no-move has not been waived. Um, but... I think New Jersey would be an interesting spot for him. I know that Jacob wants to win. And as of right now, I think that the Devils have a better chance of winning a Stanley Cup in the next couple of years than the Flames do. So that might intrigue him. Um, Whether or not New Jersey is willing to give up the type of return that the Flames would rightfully be asking for to move out a guy like Jacob remains to be seen. Um, As for other teams, well, I think you could look at Toronto. They're in need of a number one goaltender or or potentially goaltending help. I think Carolina comes to mind, although potentially uh, Freddie Anderson moving towards or closer towards a return there uh and recently you know more of a fit potentially for vladar could be uh you know it's funny they got david riddick backing up um cam talbot in los angeles right now but if they feel like riddick isn't the right fit maybe los angeles could be an interesting landing spot for a vladar because they just announced today i don't know if they've announced but uh, our friends over at mayor's manor um reporting that phoenix copley is going to have season-ending surgery so uh their goaltending tandem to start the year was copley and talbot well it looks like they're only going to have the one part of that and uh that is talbot so that's another potential landing spot there um, what else we got here on the text line at 960-960? This from Mick, who says all three UFAs need to go, but they're not bringing a number one center in like Elias Patterson or a number one D-man like Quinn Hughes. And until they get pieces like that, there's no cup here. Uh, this from, and, and I the, the one thing that I think is important on Mick's text is, you know, if you're going to start comparing the Flames to what the Canucks have done, and, and by that I mean the Canucks went from being a non-playoff team and looking like they were kind of directionless to, now being much better. You know, they made the trade for Philip Ronick at last year's deadline. That's really worked out for them. They made a couple of key signings that have worked out nicely for them. But the one thing, and, and so if you're saying, well, the Flames could do something like that, the one difference is is that Vancouver has two foundational franchise players and young in Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. The Flames don't have, and you know what, you can throw Thatcher Demko in as a goaltender on that as well when talking about young foundational pieces, one at each position. Markstrom's going to turn 34 so and, and has got two years left on a deal, so I don't know if he's in the same conversation as Demko. And and no, they don't, they don't have anybody at as high-end as Hughes or Pedersen. There's, there's zero doubt about that. Um, 
This from cheers. Uh, this from Jr. Who says uh, cheers from Calgary. Pat, here's my take on the Flames: keep all the guys who are signed long term and dump all the upcoming UFAs for whatever you can get. Package the uh, first in Vladar for another forward. Wolf up full time and roll the dice going forward. Uh, this reads: Pat, can you please clarify how the cap hit thing works? Why doesn't the whole dollar amount show up on the cap hit? Um, I'm not quite sure exactly what you're getting at on that. So there are a couple of answers that that might help you there. First of all, number one is, and this took me a long time to wrap my head around. So um, and and it, it is a difficult, I, I th- sometimes thing um, to to wrap your head around because I know it took a while for me. Um, and I have a smaller brain than most, so it might be easier for you if I um, if, if I explain it and it helps. Uh, there's a difference between your dollar figure and your cap hit. So, you know, if you sign a – say that you sign uh, – I'll just make it real easy math. Say that you sign a three-year deal at $15 million, but it's structured as such. So in year one, you make $7 million. In year two, you make $6 million. And in year three, you make $2 million. Well, that's the actual dollars that are going into a player's bank account. But the cap hit is averaged out over the total amount of money, averaged out over the length. So in this case, a $15 million contract over three years will have a cap hit of $5 million Um each year, regardless of the actual dollar figure that's going into the player's bank account. Number two, that might also be what the, the texter's asking about, is that cap hits get prorated as the year goes along. So a cap hit in March is different than a cap hit in um, in November because they are prorated as the year goes along. So th- those are potentially two answers to what you're getting at um and and hopefully that helped and a friend of mine texted me and i almost lost my cool when i saw that text come through um that was well played by you um that was very funny um what else we got here at 960-960? This from Mr. Plow. Uh, my buddy Brad Woodbine says, uh, nice game, Markstrom. Time to ask him if he wants to leave. No way the Flames are going to make the playoffs this year. The next two years, they have too many anchors. They're destined for ninth as per the last decade. Get some trade value now. Uh, this says, I feel the way the Flames are handling Dubé is eerily similar to the way they handled Sam Bennett, burying him on the fourth line, using him as a grinder. Maybe a change of scenery might be what Dubé needs it may benefit both parties could very well I, I'm I don't know if that is something that that they're talking about but it could could indeed be something that eventually they do look at um, this says I thought Coleman and Kadri struggled in this game as for the Zeri call looked like a di- dive to me he hardly pushed him maybe it was maybe it wasn't I don't know but you know by the book that was interference on the Zeri call as for Coleman and Kadri I, I thought Coleman struggled a rare game where he did I actually thought uh, um, I actually thought that Kadri was quite uh, quite effective in this game, was one of their more dangerous players, drew two penalties. He's now tied for second overall in the NHL with 24 penalties drawn this year. So I actually quite liked uh, Kadri's game today. This says, not surprised they lost today. A win might have actually given the team some actual direction going forward. Excited for another 16th overall draft pick and either a missed playoff or a quick first round exit. Uh, this from Vince. Tough loss this afternoon. The penalties were too much and that generated the uh, Flyers' momentum special teams were the difference and they stopped skating 
Markstrom was the best flame to Chicago tomorrow in what's a must win. Uh, this from Dean, who says, I'm an Oilers fan. Flames played well, but the Flyers D played a little better. Yeah, I thought the Flyers were the deserving team today, no doubt. Um, and finally from Mike, I like the fact that this season I'm not cheated when watching the team play. So there you go on the text line at 960-960 anymore as I scroll back up. Uh, oh, and this one from Birdie in Highwood. Uh, always going to read something from Highwood. Uh, I understand the talks about trading Markey. However, from a coach's point of view, do you think that they would prefer to trade Vladar and have Markstrom be the seasoned pro who brings Wolf up to speed over the next couple of years? Um, actually, yeah, I do. I, I think from a coaching standpoint they, they probably would more prefer that um and we'll see i mean it all comes down to the overall direction the team is going i don't think they're trading markstrom unless they get a deal that is is actually one that you're like okay this is too good to to pass up the the, the deal that i think could end up being that is new jersey we'll see i still think the more likely guy to be dealt is vladar um but I do agree that, yeah, the coaching staff, I think overall the organization would probably want Markstrom and Wolf to be a tandem. That's a great guy to to learn from. Uh, and finally from Greg and Strathmore, Pat, loaded question, what does Conroy do, do if they're in a playoff spot at the trade deadline? Well, I still think he moves the UFAs. If they're not signed, I think they're getting moved. That's number one. Then it depends on what type of playoff spot they're in. If they, you know, if they have a – 800 month of January and a 740 month of February and now they're in a divisional playoff spot I could see him adding a little bit potentially if they're at the deadline not giving up huge assets but I could see him doing that but I still think he's trading the UFAs I do not think that if Lindholm or Tanev or Hannafin and especially on Lindholm and Hannafin if those guys are not signed by March 8th regardless of where the flames sit I do believe that Conroy will move them out. I do, and, and you know, I could be proven wrong on that, but every indication I have, every conversation I've had with people that I trust is that that is absolutely what the organization is going to do. Great stuff on the text line today at 969.60. We've got uh, three more to go on the phone lines following a Flames 3-2 loss in Philadelphia. Let's start it off with Paul. What's going on, Paul? Hey, how's it going, Pat? Good, man. How are you? How are you? Oh, doing good. I'm actually driving home from the Flyers Flames game right now. Oh, and, nice! Uh, You're calling from Philly. Oh yeah. Nice. I'm actually in Jersey now, but uh, okay. Yeah, it's an interesting experience. I I don't get to see the Flames live that often, so only a couple times a year I make it out to see them at you know Jersey Rangers or Flyers. But uh, just a couple observations from seeing it because it's so different live. Um, Two good things. Markstrom's just so good. And it made me sad to think that we're even talking about trading him. Just because he is, I think, replacing a goalie like that is, is difficult. He's, his methods are perfect. He was in the right place, so calm. And uh, it just made me bummed out. But yeah, he was the highlight of the game for sure. Yeah, he was, uh, he was great. Another, oh, yeah, yeah. And then another thought, kind of on the same stream, is uh, Tanev is just. Such a great player, always in great position, and away from the puck is just so smart. So I hope, you know, that we do keep those guys in the future. But um, two things that kind of stood out to me in, in the live experience, too, was our passing is just so sloppy. Uh, it was, there was nothing crisp about it. 
and you don't uh, you don't notice as much, but seeing the game live, it, it was just very disappointing to see. You know, a couple of years ago we had the good Goudreau line uh, that was so crisp, and then now it just feels I don't know aimless in its own way. I thought I thought today there was a lot of that for sure. I I, I concur with you on that one. I overall I I haven't seen it as poor as it was today uh but yeah today right. the, the, in that, in those final 40 minutes they had a lot of trouble um making yeah. a lot of just mm, simple plays simple stuff the another thing that was was remarkable was uh and this kind of goes back to the start of the season when uh the heritage classes classic was happening and uh kane was getting mouthy saying you know what are you going to do and you really notice it now uh just with the team a big thing like Cherenkovich tonight, just getting manhandled every time he's on the puck or anything. And it's it's funny, there's this lack of physicality skills. And I know that's not the most important thing in hockey, but something that was a driving force, maybe a bit of an identity piece for the Flames for so many years, definitely felt like it was missing this game. So uh, just a couple of thoughts about, about the team and, uh, and what I saw tonight. But I've always wanted to call in, and I thought today was the perfect time to do yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you did, Paul. That's, uh, that's good stuff. Um, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad you got to go see. So are you, uh, are you from Calgary originally? I'm from Calgary, moved to Jersey 15 years ago, but still follow the Flames and then listen to 960 every day on my uh, I have a VPN player. Oh, nice. Oh, so you're even able to get around yeah. – just a little hint. That's how you can get around uh, listening live uh, if you're yeah, self you um, But yeah, uh, any, any, any Calgary fans in uh, the States, just download TuneIn Player. You can listen to find Fan 960. There you go. That's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> some good advice. Uh, thank you, Paul. Get back to Jersey safe, eh? Yep. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, Take call care. back anytime. That was cool. Good to hear from Paul, uh, who got to go to uh, to Philly and see his guys play today. That was uh, that was neat to hear. Paul, uh, final score three two. The Flames lose to the Flyers. We say hello to Garen. What's going on, Garen? Looks like Garen uh, may have dropped off. So uh, if uh, you can't, if if that was an accident, Garen, give us a call back. We'll uh, bring you back on. Uh, for now, though, we'll say hello to Bakur. What's going on, Bakur? Hey, Paul. Long time listener, first time caller. It's Pat. It's Pat, uh, not Paul. Oh. <laughs> After you're talking, sorry, Pat. Um, kind of <laughs> nervous so here, good. but it's you know good. what? I called in because you said the lines are empty, and I was like, "Hey, why not give it a try?" And yeah, I got welcome aboard. So, Hey, thanks a lot. Um, Paul, just uh, Pat, just a couple of uh, observations <laughs> here. Um, during the Daryl Sutter era, honestly, the the viewing, the, just watching the games as a fan, as an average fan, the dump and chase style, and I mean, nothing against Sutter. He's achieved so much. But that old school style of play, I mean, if you think about it, changing that up and bringing in a new culture, a new coach with pretty much the same kind of players, that's tough to do. Um, and hats off to Huska and his team that, you know, with the same bunch of guys, predominantly I would say 70% of that squad is pretty much the same, the roster. But, you know, having that change up, and since the 2-7 and seven start, do you? I'm pretty sure you have the stat, but how do we line up against the other teams, like as far as from that 2-7 and seven start to where we are right now? I think this whole talk about being a mediocre team, I think we're a few pieces away from being, you know, truly top tier. 
Now, what what are those top pieces? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go find you that uh, that number. So they were two seven and one on November first. So you'd be looking for from November second on in terms yeah. of where they sit in the Western Conference. So I'm gonna go pull that up for you. But what? So when you say that they are one or two pieces away, so what do you what what, what type I'm of say, pieces so I was do you see? To your show yesterday, with franchise, and he said that our blue line. And to be honest with you, I agree with him. Like. The, the top two pairs of Anderson, Hannafin, um, Tanev, and Uyghur, I mean, there's not too many teams out there that could boast a, a you know, top four like that. Um, so, and then if you bring in Schilling to the mix, um, hopefully in the, next, in the near future, he takes his time. Uh, we're all there supporting him. But honestly, our D-line is looking really good. It's really solid. We have a good bunch of forwards as well. Like there's, there's two lines that are clicking on most nights. Um, I feel if we, and, and then a solid goaltending, right? Like Markstrom, obviously right now he's playing elite level. I always hear someone say, you know, top eight. <laughs> so um, he's definitely there, thereabouts. And then we have Wolf in the wings. I think uh, from a trade perspective, uh, Markstrom's what, 34. So two, three years from now, Wolf is ready. He's in the wings. He's ready to go. Trading Markstrom doesn't make sense at this point, but if you get rid of, let's say, someone like um, Panov and Lindholm and add some speed, I mean, you're not going to get elite skill at this point, but I think the job that Huska's done, um, opening up the game a little, adding some creativity to it, I think we're there thereabouts, Pat. I The only thing that, that I would say to that is that they do don't have elite talent and and that is the area that i think would hold them back in a postseason they don't have a player that you just you don't see teams that are built solely on depth win stanley cups the closest that i can remember that 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 has been like the thing was the expansion Vegas Golden Knights when they made it to the cup final and lost to Washington. Otherwise, you know, you usually have an elite player at one position at least that you that that wins a Stanley Cup. Even St. Louis had Petrangelo on D uh, and, and O'Reilly was a, a Selkie Trophy guy at the time. Um, but, I mean, you take a look at Vegas this past year. Well, that's obviously Jack Eichel is, is an elite top end number one center there's nobody like Eichel on the flames um even Mark Stone I don't know if there's anybody at Stone's level on the flames um Colorado McCarr and McKinnon um obviously before that you you, you just keep on going down the line Tampa Bay and um all the, the, the these teams all have elite players and and so that would be my only rebuttal to what you're talking about is that to win a Stanley Cup I think you need those elite pieces I totally agree with you. Take, for example, the Toronto Raptors. When we got Leonard, he took us over. He made that shot, right? And I totally agree with you on that. Um, I think our, just being top-heavy with one or two elite players and having mediocre to below-average players around them, I think that kind of is kind of productive as well, right? Um, with that being said, if you can – I mean, a guy like Kadri or like a Uyghur or even, you know, Huberto – 
I mean, if they they're they're here with like these massive contracts and long term and so on and so forth, and if we tell them that, I mean, you don't even have to say it. You can tell the direction a, a team's taking when we're tanking or rebuilding or right. whatever it is. It it kind of lost motivation for a player of that stature, if you know what I mean. Um, to, to keep the existing players engaged, you'd never want to quote unquote tank. I agree, but but I think when I say trade away for certain kind of players, I think like you said, you know, there's Vegas. I think St. Louis, apart from Tarasenko and maybe a couple other guys, that one year when uh, when they won the cup. Uh, being dead last. I think there are certain examples out there that you don't need necessarily elite players. It's nice to have because they will make that shot and they will break the game open for you. But if you can have a nice balanced team, like the way Sharon Govich is playing and some of these guys are coming along and when we get Peltier back, I think that's going to change things up quite a bit. And And it makes for good viewing, right, Pat? I mean, if we're... If we're mediocre and we're just kind of like, you know, right down there with the Buffaloes of the world. I mean, like Buffalo, unfortunately, this year they haven't had their greatest of seasons, but last year they were great to watch, right? Or New Jersey a couple of years ago, they were coming up and the way they're playing. Um, you wouldn't really say, apart from the Hughes and, and some of them, I mean, well, they they do have elite talent. I shouldn't say that. But from a Calgary perspective, I think being having the pieces, the key pieces. If you trade away Markstrom, you'd get something great in return, but you're always going to be looking for the next Markstrom, right? Same thing with a, a person like a Hannafin. You trade them away, yes, you're going to get great trade value, but you're always going to want to develop or, or, or get someone. When you already have them, why not keep them, add a couple of more pieces? Again, I go back to a couple of more pieces, but... Um, uh, it's that stat that I asked you about, Pat, the 2-7 start yes. to where we are right now. If you can throw that out there for the viewers and myself or the listeners, um, I think that would be great because I think we would, we're would we probably comparable. Like we're, we're, we're doing pretty well after that start, to be honest with you. I think we're so after, after today's loss, the Flames have a 586 points percentage in the, uh, in the NHL. Um, that points percentage, which is the most telling of the numbers, uh, yeah. puts them at 15th overall since the 2-7-1 start. So that's 15th overall at 586. And in terms of the Western Conference, they are, just to do a quick count, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, Six seventh in the Western Conference since the two seven and one starts. So, um, so if we had a five eighty six the whole time around, let's say we were playing five eighty six to six hundred, where would that land us in our division in the Western Conference? Uh, third would sorry a fourth would be that where that would land them right now um, in the west in the I'm just going to look right for it right right now for you um, so yeah if they if they had a 586 they would be fourth in the conference behind the sorry fourth in the division behind Vancouver Vegas and L A and in the conference. Geez, my computer is really moving slow. Uh, 586 would put them seventh in the conference. So they'd be in a wild card spot, but not in a division yeah, spot. Not a division spot. And yeah, 
I'm not probably what six to seven points out or of the third division spot. So yeah, it's a work in progress there, Pat. I mean, thanks thanks for taking my call. I think I've taken up a lot of your time. Thanks no good stuff. Patience. I'm glad you called. That was a fun call, but you have yourself a great day, hey? You too. All right, thanks. Thanks, man. That will wrap us up on the phone lines this afternoon. Uh, the Flames fall three two to the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, great stuff on the phone lines. Great stuff on the text line as Calgary resets. They got to reload quickly they're into Chicago to take on the Hawks on Sunday afternoon as we get to today's final summary uh, here's how we got to today's final score no scoring in the first period and then it got really eventful in the second as the Flames opened the scoring at 155 of the second period great breakaway goal from Jonathan Huberdeau his sixth of the year from Martin Pospisil comes at 155 and that makes it one nothing Flames that was answered a few minutes later by the Flyers on a Morgan Frost goal. His sixth of the year. Frost from Sean Walker and Tyson Forster at 4.15. We had a 1-1 tie. But the Flames go back out in front about five minutes later. Mackenzie Weger finishes off a play to make it 2-1. Weger's ninth. A new career high in goals for Mackenzie. Blake Coleman and Andrew Manchapani draw the assist at 9-13. But uh, latter stages of the second on a power play. The Flyers tie once again. Sean Couturier's 10th of the year. Couturier from Morgan Frost and Igor Zamula at 16:06. Power play goal had us all square 2-2 after 40 minutes of play. To the third period we go. Flames get themselves a power play, but they're not the ones scoring on it in a battle of the power kills, as a few people had uh, called it. Two of the most uh, or two of the highest scoring shorthanded teams in the league while the Flyers score the only shorthanded goal and it's a game winner. Their league leading 10th shorthanded goal comes early in the third from Travis Konechny, his 21st of the year. Konechny from Scott Lawton and Cam York at 227 shorthanded makes it 3-2. That's the difference in a 3-2 victory that ends up being your final score. Final shots 42-24 in favor of the Flyers. Calgary goes 0 for 3 on the power play today. It was Philadelphia going 1 for 6. Your three stars in the building, number 3, Jacob Markstrom, number 2, Travis Konechny, and your number 1 star with a goal and two points was Morgan Frost. With the loss, Flames fall to 17-17 and 5. They're back in action tomorrow, Sunday, in Chicago, while Philadelphia improves to 20-13 and 6. They're back in action Monday at home to Pittsburgh. That's your final summary, and now for everyone involved in Flames hockey this afternoon, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk postgame show, which is available, as always, on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next up is Sunday afternoon. Note the start time. It's a 1 p.m. game at the United Center in Chicago, which means we'll be on the air at noon with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Final score from Wells Fargo Center in Philly. Flames win streak snapped at three as they fall 3-2 to the Philadelphia Flyers. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.